So how I pick my stocks is highly influenced by Warren Buffett himself and of course his teacher Benjamin Graham. So one of the things that I learned from him was whenever you're buying a stock, you should always think about the underlying company that you're buying. And I'm paraphrasing, but he said something similar to if you had the money and you are not willing to buy the whole company, why even buy one share in the company? So I look at buying companies as each company has their own report card. So if you're in school and you have your report card, you might have different subjects such as math, history, English. But when I think of a company, they have their own report card. They have their own subjects and their own financial metrics, which I score them A, B, C, etc. But before we talk about those financial metrics, let's look at the very first thing I do before I decide to invest in a company. And that is, I need to know what this company actually does. What's its business model? I always look at it from a standpoint like, I need to be able to explain to a 10-year-old how this business makes money. For example, Chipotle, which also stands for Chipotle Mexican Grill, is a restaurant chain that sells specific items, food products to their customers, such as burrito bowls, burritos, taco salads, and tacos. The Pepsi Company. So Pepsi is an international food and beverage company which sells its products to customers globally. Some of the brands that they own are Frito-Lay, Quaker, Gatorade. Now, of course, this is not an endorsement for Chipotle or Pepsi, even though I have Pepsi on my watch list, but that just goes to show that whenever you're investing in a company, you do need to know what that company actually does. How does that company make money? Now, you can find all this information on the company's annual report, their 10K. Some companies are a lot harder to explain and to figure out what they do, but the 10K tells you everything you need to know about how that company actually operates. Now, the next thing that I pay attention to when I want to invest in a company is to make sure that that company has a competitive advantage. Warren Buffett also calls this a moat. Now, a competitive advantage is a product or service that's unique, that can only be created by one company, a specific company. And the customers only expect that product from that specific company. So, for example, let's say you want to buy a Big Mac. You can only get a Big Mac from, you guessed it, McDonald's. You cannot go to Burger King to get a Big Mac. Or think about the Ferrari car. You can only get a Ferrari car from one car manufacturer. This competitive advantage gives these companies cash cows when it comes to products or services. They can increase the price on these products and not lose customers because the customer can only go to that specific company to get that product. The opposite of a competitive advantage is a company that sells a product or service that's price sensitive, meaning that the cheapest price will get the customer. Think about it like this. Let's say you go to your local grocery store and you wanna buy sugar. It's more than likely that you're gonna buy either the cheapest sugar or the sugar that's on sale. Or let's say you're browsing online and doing some comparison shopping because you wanna buy a flight ticket to Florida. It's also more than likely that you're gonna buy the most affordable one. Now keep in mind that if a company has a competitive advantage, and of course the company's brand can be its competitive advantage in itself. Think about Apple or even Disney. These companies can keep increasing the price of their products or services while still retaining their customer base. 
Now on this end, if a company is selling a price sensitive product, they are always going to be in competition with their competitors. And the only way that they can get customers is by offering the best price or the cheapest price. This can potentially hurt the company's revenue, which they're going to have a hard time growing revenue year over year. Now that's the first metric, the first financial metric that I look at when analyzing a company. So I like to look at the revenue and see that a company is able to grow its revenue year after year. Now, of course, a company has multiple ways of doing this. Some of those are selling more products and services, even expanding into different territories, or one other one is cutting costs. But here's the cool thing about a company that has a competitive advantage. A company with a competitive advantage can sell the same amount of products year after year to the same customer base and still grow revenue. Now, how is that possible? For example, there is a chewing gum company that sells chewing gum for one buck and they have a customer base of 100,000 customers. So year one, they sell 100,000 chewing gum to those customers and they make 100K in revenue. Now here's the cool thing. Year two, they decide to increase their price from $1 to 125. They still have their 100,000 customer base but what happens to their revenue? Their revenue went from 100,000 to 125,000. So they sold the same amount, they still have the same customer base, but just by increasing their price and retaining those customers, they've been able to increase their revenue. The next metric that I look at, the next financial metric, is actually a very important one. Now, whenever you think about investing in a company, why do you invest in a particular company? Is it because this company treats its employees the correct way? Is it because this company is socially responsible? Now, both of these things are good things to have in a company, of course. But when it comes to investing from an investment standpoint, a great company is a company that can always increase its net income. So what I look for is a company that can increase its net income year over year but the cool thing is that if this company can increase its revenue, it should be able to also increase its net income year over year. Now, the next one is a pretty interesting one. If you take the net income divided by the revenue, you get the profit margin of a company. I use the profit margin to see how well management is performing within that company. When I look at the profit margin, I'm also looking for consistency. And if profit margin is growing, even better. In a situation where you have good or great management, they're able to grow revenue and they're also able to grow net income, which will make the profit margin look great, of course. Now, in a situation where you have bad management or even in a situation where the company as a business model does not really working out for the current business climate, this company and management associated with this company, they might not be able to grow revenue. Revenue might be flat or even declining, but they still want to grow their net income. So what ends up happening is that management might start to cut costs. So they might fire people and the existing employees have to do more work, but there are less employees available to do all this work. So the profit margin tells me a lot about the company. When I look at the profit margin and it stays consistent, that's something that I always look for, consistency. 
but when I do see the profit margin declining, that's when I do a little bit more research when it comes to the company that I want to invest in. The next financial metric that I look at, and this is more of an optional one, is to see if a company is buying back its own shares. And this actually ends up benefiting me if I already own shares in this company. Because while I'm owning shares in this company and the company is buying back its own shares, my ownership in this company keeps growing. So for example, easy example, let's say a company has 10 shares on the market and I own one of those shares. So I own one tenth of the company or 10% of the company. The company decides to buy back five of the 10 shares and now there's only five left. So the company bought five, retired those five shares. So now there's only five shares on the market. I still own my share. So now instead of owning 10% of the company, I actually own 20% of the company and I didn't even have to do anything to grow my ownership within the company. One trick that a lot of businesses use is to buy back more shares during an economic downturn. Because in an economic downturn, like a stock market crash, stocks are usually selling real cheap. So whenever a company wants to buy back its own shares, it can buy them back at a steep discount during a stock market crash. The next metric that I look at is the debt to equity ratio, which shows me how much debt a company actually has in relation to its shareholder equity. Now, there are no hard and fast rules, but I like to see a consistent debt to equity ratio of less than one. Some industry have a higher debt to equity, but less than one is usually what I'm shooting for. And of course, the debt to equity ratio is calculated by taking the total liabilities and dividing that by the shareholders equity. Another calculation that I like to do when I'm looking at debt is to take the total liabilities divided by the net income before taxes. This shows me how fast a company can pay off its total debt using the net income it generates. What I'm looking for is seven years or less or even like five years or less. The less years, the better, of course. The next one that I take a peek at is the return on equity. So this is a pretty easy calculation. Just take the net income divided by the shareholders equity, which pretty much tells you how much net income is being generated based on the shareholders equity. Now, great companies with a competitive advantage can generate a high return on equity. For example, there are two companies that you want to invest in, company A and company B. You only have $20,000 to invest, so you split it in half and you invest $10,000 in company A and $10,000 in company B. So in essence, your shareholder equity in each company is $10,000. Year one, company A generates $1,000 in net income and company B generates $3,000 in net income. So your return on equity in company A is 10% and 30% in company B. If going forward into year two, the return on equity stays the same, which company would you invest in? Company B, of course, because it generates a higher return on equity at 30% compared to 10%. With return on equity, I also like to look at consistency. With a lot of these metrics, I look at consistency and growth. So even with return on equity, I like to see my return on equity in the double digits and it needs to be consistent. Besides return on equity, I also like to look at the return on invested capital. Your return on invested capital, also called the ROIC, 
is your net income minus your dividends divided by your total capital. I like to see this in the double digits also, like the return on equity, ROE, and I'm also looking for consistency year after year. So those are the metrics that I look at when evaluating a growth stock. But when it comes to a dividend paying stock, there's some additional financial metrics that I look at. One of those metrics is the dividend per share. So how much dividend actually gets paid out to a shareholder out of the company's net income, which is also the company's earnings. What I like to see is that a company has been able to grow its dividend year after year. So I like to look at the last 10 years and see that a company has been able to grow its dividends faster than inflation. Because I'm, if I'm investing in a company, I want my money to retain its buying power, which means it needs to grow faster than inflation. So what's a good dividend growth rate? Anything higher than inflation. So if inflation is 3 to 4% per year, my dividend growth rate that I like to see needs to be at least 4%. Anything above 4, even better. The next dividend metric that I look at is the payout ratio. The payout ratio tells me how much of its net income a company pays out to its shareholders as a dividend. So for example, if a company generated $1 million in net income and they paid out $500,000 in dividends to its shareholders, then the payout ratio is 50%. Now, when I'm looking at the payout ratio, like with any of the other metrics, I'm looking for consistency. So I'm looking for payout ratios that are either below 50 or 60. Every industry is going to be different. There are some industries where the payout ratio is extremely high, like the real estate investment trust. Those payout ratios can be in the 90s or even more. But what I'm usually looking for when it comes to a payout ratio is anything below 70, anything below 60, and I'm looking for consistency. The last financial metric that I like to look at when it comes to dividends is the dividend yield. The dividend yield tells me how much dividend I'm going to get for the price of the stock. To calculate it, all you have to do is take the yearly dividend divided by the price of the stock. Now, you will come across something interesting when you look at a dividend yield. There are companies that have a high dividend but low growth rate and vice versa, a low dividend yield but a high growth rate. So which one would you actually want to invest in as an investor? where there are no hard and fast rules, so you can experiment with both. However, an extremely high dividend yield might need some further investigation. For example, let's say a stock is trading at 100 bucks and the dividend is $1. So the dividend yield is 1%. Now, the dividend stays the same, but the price of the stock fluctuates and the price drops all the way down to 10 bucks. Now, the dividend is still one buck, but look at the dividend yield. The dividend yield now is 10%. So that looks great as an investor, but that requires some further investigation to see, okay, why did the price of the stock go from $100 and dip down all the way to 10 bucks? You might be thinking, this is all fine and dandy. I like these financial metrics, but where can I actually find these financial metrics? Well, if you look at a company's annual report, you'll be able to get to the company's income statement, balance sheet, and cash flow statement. This is what I use in order to analyze a company and look at the financial metrics. And the last thing that I look at if I want to invest in a company is the company's PE ratio, the price to earnings ratio. 
As a dividend investor, I like to look at a PE ratio of 20 or less, or I like to see 15 or less. That's even better. Now, when I look at a growth stock, I kind of throw the PE ratio out the window because the PE ratios of growth stocks tend to be extremely high. So I might see a PE ratio of 20 when I'm looking at a dividend paying stock. But when I look at a growth stock like Tesla, it might be 200 or more. So we looked at all the different financial metrics that I use, highly influenced by Warren Buffett, of course, if I want to evaluate growth stocks and dividend paying stocks. The very last step for me is to use some day trading techniques in order to buy that share or buy those shares at the right time. But that's a topic for another day. And let me know what you guys thought about this topic. Thank you for listening to my podcast on stock market investing. Be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, which you can find by searching my name, Giovanni Richters. Also, be sure to check out my books and audiobooks on stock market investing. I'll catch you in the next episode.